Hello and welcome back on Inside Westminster. Uh, I am one of the hosts, Dakota Sawyer, and with me is my affable co-host, uh, Kobe Perch. Uh, and we're going to be talking about a number of different things today. Uh, the first thing up on our item list of what we're going to be talking about is the illegal migration bill that the government has proposed and introduced into the House of Commons. Uh, its second reading was the other day on Tuesday, uh, and the illegal migration bill uh, is would change lo the law uh, for those who arrive into the United Kingdom illegally and will not be able to stay here and will instead be detained and then promptly removed either to their home country or to a safe third country. The bill has the following objectives. To put a stop to illegal migration into the United Kingdom by removing the incentive to make dangerous small boat crossings, speed up the removal of those who have no right to be here. In turn, this will free up capacity so that the UK can better spout those genuine need of asylum through safe and legal routes. Crack down on the opportunities to abuse modern slavery protections by preventing people who come to the UK through illegal and dangerous journeys from misusing modern slavery safeguards to block their removal and ensure that the UK co continues to support those in genuine need by committing to resettling a specific number of those vulnerable refugees in the UK every year. So that's kind of what the, the bill outline does. Uh, and... Uh, there's a lot of controversy regarding this bill, uh, and some would say that this is this is an attack on legal immigration. This is an attack on refugees, uh, and that we should be taking in all of these people into the United Kingdom, regardless of how they come here. Kobe, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, yeah, I think it's interesting. I think it's an issue that has certainly uh, the last very strongly um, against it and one that has um, the right and certainly the Conservatives part, uh, the Conservatives are heavily for it. Um, I think it's interesting if you look at the, the, the way the bill is outlined um, and the way it reads um, and the, its objectives, it's certainly going to accomplish it. But I think this is the Conservatives' sixth time now at having a go at tackling illegal immigration. Uh, sorry, illegal migration is the problem that has faced the UK for a long, long time. Um, I think certain people here were sick of seeing the amount of um, immigrants that were coming to this country through small boats and through the English Channel across. So I think they were frustrated because they were coming through so many other countries before getting to us um, that now the, U the UK government has taken action towards it. Um, and the second reading was yesterday. I believe it passed the second reading as well. Um, it did. Yeah. So it's, it's a positive step, I think, that some people, I'm just looking, and it does say, if you enter the UK legally, you will be detained immediately, then removed to a safe country within weeks. You'll be banned from claiming asylum, denied access to the UK's modern slavery system, and stopped from making late and spurious claims to frustrate removals. I think whilst I was reading it, um, it's important to note that if someone does actually want to seek asylum status here now it, it probably will be a bit more difficult for them um to do that off the back of this but at the end of the day we've got to think where do you draw the line where does the where does the uk government say that you know, this is enough is enough now we have to get a handle and get a grip on this um you know they, they could have taken an australian approach to this where it's sort of open door policy um in terms of 
uh, immigration and they they let people in and things like that. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it's it's a divisive issue. I'm not quite sure where I stand, but I do think that it was important that we started to get a grip on it. Um, and I think this is definitely an improvement on the Rwanda policy, considering that that didn't go too well. Yeah, and, and you know, it, uh, it, I believe it, they're taking the Hungarian sort of approach to mm. illegal migration. Uh, and they're sort of saying, you know, we have a process of which you can legally enter the country uh, and saying that, look, you know, we welcome immigrants into the country. And, and I think you can make that argument that the UK is still accepting immigrants into the country. The problem, what we're doing, that what we're, what they're, the government is saying is we're not, we're going to crack down on illegal immigration. You can still go through the process of obtaining legal immigration into the country uh, and claiming asylum uh, and get coming into the country that way, but we're going to crack down on illegal immigration and i think that's what the government is trying to do um and sort of some of some people are trying to misconstrue that fact that the government wants to crack down on legal immigration when that's factually inaccurate and they're trying to crack down on the illegal process of coming to this country Uh, yeah they don't want to stop genuine people from claiming asylum or seeking the benefits of claiming asylum as people do come to the UK for you know that's at the end of the day that's that's a great thing you know it's going to benefit the UK's economy um and boost everything else um I think yeah it, it's it's difficult because if you look at the government's past with trying to tackle this issue I mean it, this is the sixth time that they've come sort of back to the drawing board and they've said listen this is this is the time now this is going to work um, but I think what's important to remember is a lot of the people that come on the small boats across the English Channel are there because of the illegal gangs um, that bring them from uh, third world countries wherever that is in the Middle East and South Africa they come from they're literally criminals um, the people who've organized those boat trips I'm not saying the people on them are obviously they're trying to flee their country for good reason but if we keep letting those people into our country or into the UK, I should say, then where do you draw the line? Um, and from what I was hearing Keir Starmer talk about in Prime Minister's questions last week um, when this policy was introduced was he was taking a very, you know, sort of a very yeah socialist leftist view, which was, no, we should let these people in. They have a legitimate claim to be here. Welcome them in with open arms. But if you think, if we do that, and you look at places in the UK which are taking them um, in Dover and all these other places, um, the migration centres there, they're overwhelmed. You know, the government had to put them in hotels, which were then turned into, um, I can't remember what they were called, but they were holding um, illegal immigrants who had crossed the channel illegally. Um, And our country can't carry on doing that. We simply just can't sustain it. So, yeah, it's a divisive issue. Um, I'm glad the government has taken something towards it whether you see that as a positive or a negative um sure it's it's open for debate across the country but um yeah something had to be done we 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 couldn't let it continue i think was the echoing message and and, and i think you know what what the government is cracking down on um and, and what really helps is when people are trying to get illegally into this country there are certain ways that they go about this one is they pay somebody to 
smuggle them into the country on on a boat and smuggle them into the country that way. Well, when you do that, you create sort of – you put yourself at a disadvantage because now somebody knows that you are illegally – you illegally entered the country and they kind of sort of hang that over your head saying, hey, we know your dirty little secret – and so you should, you know, you're going to be forced to do this for us. Uh, and sort of that's what this bill cracks down on. By stopping that illegal immigration, you stop uh, this sort of blackmail that's going on uh, to get people illegally into this country. Yeah, I think, you know, those type of, you know, those those um, those criminal gangs that were just sending people here just thought, oh, yeah, we can just abuse the system now. You know, we know the UK government are just going to take them. Um, so what they're going to do. Um, and in reality, they could have sticked any any person on those boats. And it could have been a massive, you know, it's a, it's a national security threat if, in, in some instances, if you look at it. Um, yeah. And I think I think the left are, are hyping it up like this is all this is a bad thing. I'm reading through here on, on the Gov website. Um, and as I say, summary of bill measures, unaccompanied children, the minors who come to the UK illegally, will not be removed to a safe third country until adulthood. So, you know, if a five-year-old comes across the UK, um, they're not going to be sent to a, a safe third world country. We're going to keep them here. Um, you know, it's not like we're trying to get rid of everyone and put them in a hor- horrific situation. Um, but it is that classic question, where do you draw the line? Um, and the UK government has drawn the line here. They said enough is enough. If you come to the UK illegally, um, you will be detained and you will be removed. It's quite simple, really. I, I mean, and, and, and you know, look, if we look at it this way, there there are ways and a process of which you can legally enter this country. And I think the government should take a two-step approach at this. One is crackdown on illegal immigration. And then that second step is making it a streamlined process to legally enter the country so you don't have long wait lines. You don't have this long, drawn-out process of legally entering the country. So that way, more and more people can legally enter the country, and they don't have to. They don't feel like they have to illegally enter the country. And I, and I think if the government was to take this two-step process, and and they may, you know, after this bill has passed, they may come with you know an illegal illegal migration bill, uh, and pass sort of measures to streamline that process for them to legally enter the country. And I think if the government takes that approach, it becomes more acceptable to people saying, hey, yeah, we're going to crack down on illegal immigration, but, you know, we've also streamlined the process of which you can legally enter the country, uh, and there's a way that it's easier, simpler, uh, and faster to do it this new way. Yeah, the, the government are taking, you know, it's, it's a big stride, really. Um, and what I was glad to see was sort of Rishi Sunak went to Paris um, and met with Emmanuel Macron, and for the first time, we've seen that sort of UK-French collaboration on this issue where we haven't seen it in the past you know the french have been very um what's the word you know don't want to talk about that let's leave that to the uk to deal with you know you can have that problem as whereas now um uk border forces uh, the border force and the nca um along with police forces here are tackling and, and collaborating sorry with the french to tackle um illegal migration um so that's that's a, a positive step what's interesting to me is once this bill passes, because it will pass, you know, the Conservatives have a huge majority. I don't think Labour and anyone else has got the, the power to really stop it that much. Um, if the Conservatives don't win the next election, 
Uh, obviously, Keir Starmer has taken a very you know, decisive stance on this issue. He says, no, this is the wrong thing to do. If Labour come into government then in 2024, 2025, um, do they eradicate the bill? Do they, you know, what's the, what are the measures that they would take? Because whether you like, whether I suppose the left want to acknowledge it or not, there are still people in this country. And I think there's not a huge majority, but a, a fair few people who don't want, um, you know, the criminal gangs getting people to our beaches and just uh, saying, yeah, welcome to the country. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, if Keir Starmer does get into government, what is his what are his steps going to be? Because he'll have to please both sides. And obviously yeah. a government can never really do that. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see the, the steps that he takes, I think, if they do win the, the next election. So, I mean, I, I think the illegal migration bill passes and they sort of come up and, you know, if I was a government advisor, I would tell them, hey, let's let's make it easier for people to legally enter the country not necessarily giving up all of the national security checks that people need to go through to come legally into this country, but say, hey, look, you know, we can streamline this process, make it better, make the application process a little bit easier. And that way you don't have to fill out 50 forms to come into the country. Uh, and I think that will, that will be good. But moving on in government policy, the budget came out this week, just yesterday, uh, the uh, the government's budget came out. And the chancellor gave the spring budget statement, yeah. which fulfills one of uh, this budget will first uh, will foresee that the Conservative Party fulfills one of their five promises that they've given to the British people is that this uh, by the end of this year, the Office of Budget Res for Budget Responsibility predicts that inflation will more than half and reduced to 2.9% by the end of the year, which yeah. fulfills the Conservative Party promise that they will have inflation and that they will work to reduce inflation, uh, and which this is exactly what this budget does, is it we the UK will see that but inflation is cut in half and reduced to 2.9%, which I believe is phenomenal. And I could see the Conservative Party actually bumping up in their polling numbers uh, due to this fulfilling one of their five promises. Uh, and, you know, the other promise is that they would stop the, uh, they would crack down on the boats, which they're working on. They haven't fulfilled yet, but they're going, they're, they're working on it at least. Uh, and, I think this puts the Conservative Party in a great position leading up to the next general election to say, look, we made promises to you and we've worked to fulfill them. We fulfilled, at least as of right now, we fulfilled, uh, we're fulfilling one of them. We're working on another. Uh, and as soon as the migration bill passes and they've fulfilled two out of five promises so far in just, you know, a couple, uh, at least a month. Uh, since they've made those five promises. And I think the government is working on fulfilling the promises that they've made to the British people. Yeah, you know, the the, the five conservative, um, the priorities, their promises to the country was to half inflation, grow the economy, reduce debt, cut waiting lists and stop the boats for anyone who didn't know uh, their promises. I thought I could just read that out. Um, yeah, Chancellor's budget, um, you're probably more educated on it. I have had a brief read. Um, but I think it's certainly one of the more positive um, things coming out of the Conservative Party this week. Obviously, the small boats is a very uh, decisive issue and there's, there's a lot of debate on it. Um, but the, the chances, the spring budget, yeah, it looks very positive um, from what I can see yeah. and from what 
from the news coming out tonight where I think one of the main points coming from uh, Westminster yesterday um, when his budget was announced was that MPs obviously didn't see anything towards the, the health sector, um, but they have been offered a 5% uh, pay increase tonight, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, so, yeah, it, you know, it's a, it's a positive thing. Um, I was reading that child uh, childcare revolution is to expand to 30 hours of free childcare for children over the age of nine months, um, which boosts subsidized childcare for parents on universal credit, including upfront support. Um, that was a that was a big issue, I think, leading up to the budget, um, which the Chancellor tackled perfectly. Um, I, I think, yeah, it's, it's very positive. Yeah. And so, you know, as we're talking, uh, you know, about the budget, we'll go into some of the details. Uh, it, uh, the lifetime allowance, which is the total amount of workers can accumulate in their pension savings before an ex- paying an extra tax, has been abolished. Uh, and it uh, it will stop uh, 80% of NHS doctors from receiving a tax charge. Uh, the, pen- the pension annual tax-free allowance will rise by 50% from 40000 to $60,000 uh, uh, and allow for people to make investments into their pension, uh, and which I believe is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and we'll probably will see more and more doctors staying within the NHS. Uh, there's a tax release of 11P has been announced on draft drinks served in pumps from August 1st. So it cuts uh uh it cuts the alcohol duty uh by 11p uh it uh, the this budget also uh cuts the fuel duty tax uh by 5p uh at a cost of 6 billion pounds and has been announced for a year and fuel duty will be frozen for the next 12 months which is a huge achievement uh for this government and i know that uh priti patel the former home secretary has been working uh, and campaigning for a the fuel duty to be frozen for the next year. The government will abolish the work capability assessment for disabled people and separate benefit entitlement from an individual's ability to work. Uh, the aim is to enable disabled people to seek work without fear of losing their benefits. Uh, the new program called a universal support will also fund extra support for disabled people to find work. Uh, which which I believe goes uh, and helps achieve uh, greater and you know we're going on uh, business support uh, corporation tax on profits over two hundred and fifty thousand is due to rise from nineteen percent to twenty five percent in April uh, and businesses will be able to off offset a hundred percent of UK investments against their profits to bring down their tax bills. Uh, so it allows small businesses or regular business corporations to bring down their tax bills. Uh, the OBR says it will increase business investment by 3% every year. Uh, and the chancellor has announced a measure for the next three years, but intends to make it permanent as soon as they can responsibly do so. An, an enhanced credit has been introduced for small and medium businesses if they spend 40% or more of their total expenditure on research and development, they can claim credit for worth of twenty-seven pounds for every hundred pounds spent, which you know drastically helps small business, small and medium-sized businesses. Uh, 
and the government's continuing to help out on energy bills, uh, which uh, provides uh, 2,500 pounds uh, until the end of June by capping the unit price of electricity. Uh, The typical bill was due to rise to 3,000 from April 1st, uh, but the government is continuing to help out uh, under the EPG, which is the Energy Price Guarantee. Uh, the government effectively caps household costs and reimburses energy companies for the difference between that and the cost of buying power on the wholesale market, uh, which I believe is phenomenal uh, in helping out you know people trying to afford their energy bills. Uh, yeah. I was just going to say, it's a very positive um, thing. I think it was certainly better than the, the autumn budget that, or the autumn statement, I should say, uh, that the Chancellor uh, released. Is that there's more um, definitive action in this uh, spring statement. If you, you know, looking at, like you're just reading out some of the, the stuff he's outlined there in employment, you know, energy bills are capped, uh, workforce shortages have been tackled, there's a business tax cut. Um, free free childcare has been bu- uh, boosted. Fuel duty has been frozen, which ultimately uh, come down. Uh, the duty on a pint, so yeah, has been uh, frozen as well. Inflation's down, debt down, uh, and growth up. I think that's sort of the point they're hammering home. In addition to that, I'm just reading at the bottom here. Um, the UK obviously is devolved. It has devolved governments. Um, and so some of a lot of those decisions in there don't directly apply UK wide. Um, so the Scottish government is set to receive an around an additional 320 million uh, of funding. Uh, the Welsh government will receive 180 million and the Northern Ireland executive will receive 130 million. So, again, the government, Welsh government getting uh, an increase um, as one well of all the other devolved governments, really, so they can help do things like this. So one of the things that I notice is with the levelling up, um, it is then the 12 investment zones. It was good to see that the investment zones weren't just focused on the south. I think in Wales they were, uh, which is a bit disappointing. Um, But across the UK as a whole, they're not just focused on uh, levelling up the already, I don't know, I don't know how to word it really, but the already, the, the, the place is already growing um, they're not just focusing on investing in those areas. They're focusing on investing in the lower poverty areas, if you will, to increase the overall growth of the UK. And one of the things I was listening to Question Time a while back, and they were sort of referring it to East and West Germany. You know, they had that divide where East Germany was severely underdeveloped and the West was highly developed, and they had to bridge that gap after the war. Um, and after all that whole thing ended, and that's sort of what the UK has to do now with the South being the, sort of the West Germany, if you will, and the North of the UK is fortunate. Unfortunately, um, it's like the East Germany and the UK do have a task to shift that and get it as equal as they can. Um, so, yeah, just reading up some of the, the levelling up um, things that the Chancellor was saying, business rates, retention expanded to more areas within the next parliament. Um, they're delivering devolution deals for the West Midlands and Greater Manchester. Um, yeah. And this also helps uh, in, in the terms of defence spending. Uh, the defence spending will rise an extra £11 billion over the next five years. Uh, the defence budget currently is at £50 billion pounds, uh, and so is set to rise to, uh, to £61 billion, uh, billion pounds 
uh, for defense spending, which I think uh, is is necessary. A defense questions on Monday, uh, the defense secretary only predicted that the in the budget they would see about six billion extra uh, in spending, uh, but actually the chancellor announced eleven billion uh, in an extra in defense spending, which I think. Uh, allowed for some MPs who had concerns with the $6 billion, uh, and they thought that it should be a little bit higher than that. Uh, and so those MPs did get their wish, uh, and we'll, we'll see defense spending over the next five years increase by £11 billion. Pounds. Yeah, um, it's a very positive stat. Again, the Conservatives, I think, aiming to tackle their, their priorities and their promises that Rishi... Um, has promised to the country. Right, shall I move us on then to the 5% pay increase um, that the government has offered to the NHS unions. Now, this doesn't include junior doctors. They're in a separate dispute over pay uh, and work conditions, but it does include nurses and paramedics. I thought I'd just like to point that out. Um, The offer consists of a one-off payment of 2% uh, for their salary plus a COVID recovery bonus of 4% for the current financial year of 2022-23 and then a 5% pay increase for next year. Um, The message coming out of the unions is take it. Um, And I think that's because, quite frankly, if they don't, they're not going to get anything more than that, as Sanders is to say. I think they were right to strike, but I think they did sort of tie the government's hands because... The government can only give so much. They can't just keep giving and giving and giving and keep putting the country in an economic state and it devalues the currency and it's a whole thing. Um, but yeah, that, this has happened tonight. This was a breaking story probably around about six o'clock in uh, UK time GMT, so only about three hours ago. Um, yeah, so newly qualified nurses will get more than £1,800 on top of a pay rise of more than £1,300 next year. So they get a £1,800 bonus payment, um, one off, and then £1,300 extra next year. So, yeah, very, very positive. Um, and thank God it'll put an end to the strikes, hopefully, that um, the paramedics and nurses were, were having to go on. Obviously, the NHS, especially in Wales, isn't in the best um, situation at the moment. And the strikes definitely weren't helping with that. So hopefully this 5% pay increase will, will resolve a lot of a lot of those issues. And I, and I think it will. Uh, and, you know, I think the uh, the uh, government uh, offering that uh, will hopefully ease the strikes, um, at least with the medical uh with the medical field in terms of the nhs uh and i think this will gradually help uh, the government's relations with uh with with the nhs uh, in terms of p- the pay rise yeah exactly um i, I think I- i'm glad that the unions are accepting it because if they didn't i have no, i you know i've no idea where the government um the government would take it um because the initial reaction from Downing Street was, no, we, we, we can't, we're not going to give a pay increase. And then the union said, OK, we'll keep striking. Um, so the government has really sort of had to pull something from sort of from nowhere. Um, what is this? The GMB National Secretary said the offer is a huge uplift for the lowest paid to keep them well above the real living wage. She's called the offer reasonable. GMB members should rightly be proud of themselves. It's been a tough road that they have faced down the Department of Health and won an offer that we feel is the best that can be achieved 
at this stage through negotiation. She said progress has also been made on non-pay demands, such as addressing violence in the workplace, which is a, a big issue in in the healthcare sector. Um, I think there was a video uh, maybe in 2021, I think, came out of a paramedic being stabbed. Um, so, yeah, very positive, very good on top of the Chancellor's budget that the government have done that. The union seeming to be happy with it. Um, anything to anything to add, or are we we fine to go on? I, I think that that co- covers it, uh, and you know we're moving on uh, to the Privileges Committee uh, in mm. their investigation of Partygate. Uh, Boris Johnson has a- accepted the invitation uh, to take questions from MPs next week in public. Uh, the committee is tasked with investigating whether Boris Johnson misled uh, the parliament in saying that he denied breaking COVID lockdown rules uh, and will quiz him in public next week. Uh, Boris Johnson continues to deny the claims uh, and will be very interesting to see what, what takes place in the Privileges Committee. Uh, on March 22nd at 2 p.m., uh, Prime, uh, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, is uh, giving oral evidence uh, to the committee. Uh, the session will be held in public, uh, and the fa- it will face questions from the committee for Tory, uh, which is composed of four Tory MPs, two Labour, including uh, Chair uh, Harriet Harman and one SMP MP. Uh, his appearance uh, comes after uh, this is just after uh, two weeks after uh, they released their preliminary report uh, over the Partygate allegations. Uh, he uh, and Boris has claimed that the interim report showed that he was being vindicated and clear from this report that I have not committed any contempt of parliament. Uh, so this will be very interesting on what happens next week. Uh, and uh, it will be very interesting on what he has to say next week uh, to the privileges committee. Yeah. Boris Johnson fully believing that this process is going to vindicate him. Um, for anyone in the UK wondering, um, obviously it's done by a cross-party committee. It will be uh, televised um, at 2 o'clock GMT on the 22nd of March, which I believe is Monday. No, uh, next Wednesday. Sorry. Sorry, my date's completely wrong. Yeah, so next Wednesday... Um, so almost a week today, just six days from today uh, at two o'clock. It is going to be on a televised session. You'll probably be able to watch that on UK Parliament Live TV. Obviously, the Privileges Committee initial report said it would see evidence that strongly suggests COVID rule breaches would sure would have been obvious um, to Mr. Johnson. Uh, it's already received written submissions from witnesses as well as being provided with WhatsApp message documents and photos of the gathering. So it'll be interesting to see what Boris Johnson says to the committee, the questions posed to him um, by the committee and, and whatever else. Yeah, um, obviously, Sue Gray's report, which we now know she's been confirmed to be Keir Starmer's chief of staff. Um, so I'm not really sure how that report looks now. Um, yeah. I think she's done no good to herself there. Um, but it found widespread rule breaking had taken place uh, and a police inquiry then led to obviously 83 people, including the prime minister, uh, the former prime minister himself, being fined for attending those events. So, yeah, 
I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see the questions posed to him and how the former Prime Minister reacts to those questions, if he can handle, I'm sure he can handle that, uh, pressure. Um, but yeah, and then it'll be interesting to see the final the final report released by the Privileges Committee and whether or not it will sort of say, yes, you should have seen this um, or no, you know, or whether, sorry, he can persuade the Privileges Committee otherwise, because I think they've sort of already made up their minds. Be very interesting to see. I mean, the Tories have a majority on the committee. Uh, who, who, uh, what, what, what those MPs decide, uh, and uh, if they vindicate him or if they say that he misled Parliament. Uh, so this will be very interesting. Boris has said that you know not all the evidence has come out, uh, and that you know there's people, there's facts that will come on his side. So it'll be very interesting what happens. Yeah, and we will follow it all very closely. Um, yeah, very interesting to see what happens. Right, um, shall we finish with the sport tonight then? Um, for anyone who follows uh, British sport and the Premier League, you'll know that Gary Lineker um, was suspended from the BBC match of the day last week, um, which marked widespread outrage um, by other presenters as well. Now, he was suspended because he quoted the UK government's illegal immigra- uh, migration policy um, and the bill um, to the likes of Nazi Germany and Germany in the 30s, in the 1930s. Um, yeah, and then we saw a nu- numerous other um, BBC presenters walk out. Ian Wright and Alan Shearer, the other two hosts uh, and pundits on Match of the Day, um, also sided uh, with Gary Lineker and said, no, we're not going to come on the show. Um, if Gary's not there, Gary has a right to his own opinion. Um, and yeah, he has now been confirmed to be on Match of the Day for this upcoming weekend, along with Alan Shearer and Ian Wright making their appearances back as usual. And the BBC is now looking to change its social media policy. Um, Do you think he was right or wrong to uh, release that opinion? That I... I'm a big supporter, big, big supporter of free speech. Mm. But I think... The BBC should always and still continue to remain impartial. Uh, And I think the way he did it was correct. Uh, Because he didn't do it on the BBC program. Uh, He specifically did it on his personal Twitter account. Um, And I think we have to to take into account here, uh, you know, this woke cancel culture. Uh, you know, what, even if we don't agree with his statements, he still has the right to have his opinion, uh, and he still has the right to free speech, like any civilized country, uh, and to criticize the government. So I think, I think his comments were in line. He didn't do it on the BBC program. He did it on his personal Twitter account. I don't agree with his statements, but he has the right to his opinion. Uh, and you know, look, look what happened with Jeremy Clarkson. Uh, the right was upset over, uh, over, over Jeremy's, uh, uh, not over his comments, but over what happened to him when the left went after him. Uh, and now the left is defending, you know, Gary, uh, and his comments, uh, and, and the rights attacking him. So I think we need to be fair. Um, and we need to show that 
not we will defend freedom of speech not only from what we agree with but what we disagree with uh and uh and i think that should be should be protected uh i mean it's a fundamental right of any civilized nation uh around the globe uh and i mean he didn't it wasn't inappropriate that he, he didn't say it on the BBC, so the BBC still has its impartiality. So I think that argument goes out the window because it wasn't on the program. Yeah, and look, he doesn't present the news at 10. He's not on BBC Breakfast every morning. He's not a um, sort of political or, or, or news reader journalist, that type of you know um, role within the BBC. He's a sports journalist and he's a former football player. So yeah, and like you say, he went about it the right way. Yeah, not that I don't think I necessarily agree with him referring it to that, but that is his opinion. You know, he's allowed to have his opinion, like you were talking about Jeremy Clarkson there when the left came after Jeremy Clarkson and they were defending Gary Lineker. Well, you know, and it's the same with the right, really. The right defended Jeremy Clarkson and came after Gary Lineker. You have to be, you know, if if you're going to allow freedom of speech, both sides have to allow it, you know, and you could disagree with his opinion quite respectfully, I think. Um, but you shouldn't then go out and say, no, he shouldn't say this, he should be taken off here. You know, he's allowed his opinion. Um, like you say, yeah, freedom of speech is, is one of the great um, things. It's one of the great uh, positives of uh, of democracy. Um, so, yeah, very, very interesting. Right, I'll finish this off with some positive sport. Um, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is this weekend. Uh, you can watch that basically anywhere or from Formula One Live. Um, free practice starts. Free practice one is tomorrow at half past one GMT. Qualifying uh, then on Saturday, um, which is at five o'clock in the evening and the race at Sunday as well at five, coming off a difficult Bahrain week for um, Mercedes. Uh, Red Bull looked really dominant and Ferrari off the back of a DNF. Um, Charles Leclerc is taking a 10 place grid penalty following um, an ICU uh, control electronics unit replacement, which is his third one of the season, which he has to take the penalty. Um, yeah, interesting. We'll see how the Grand Prix grows. It's going to look like another Red Bull domination. Um, in football then, Champions League was on yesterday. Real Madrid beat Liverpool 6-2 on aggregate. Was the final score, so they progress to the quarterfinals. Napoli beat uh, Frankfurt 5-0 on aggregate, again progressing. Uh, Man City 8-1 against RB Leipzig. Uh, Erling Haaland coming very close to beating um, the all-time goal scored in a single Champions League uh, match. Um, and to finish us off, the UEFA Europa League Sporting are playing Arsenal as we're recording this. The current score on aggregate is 3-2 to Arsenal and Manchester United beats Real Betis 5-1 earlier. So as a supporter of Manchester United, thank God for that. And they are through as well to the quarterfinals of um, the Europa League. Very positive start for Eric Ten Hag coming off the back of a 7-0 loss to Liverpool in the Premier League. You can catch all the sports action, I'm sure, across any channels that you find from wherever you watch the sport usually. Um, and I think that's everything. I think so. So I think we'll wrap it up here. Uh, and, you know, I think this great conversation about what's happening inside Westminster uh, and uh, in allows for our listeners to listen in to what is happening inside Parliament, both in the Commons and in the Lords. Uh, and we'll be back with another episode uh, here next week. I'd just like uh, to say, before we finish, yeah. um, if you do want to get involved in the conversation, do tweet us. 
uh, at inside uh, mt is it what well, i can't remember on twitter that's TM. tm there we go at inside west oh you know i'm not even going to repeat the app um, inside wtm inside wtm on twitter if you want to get involved in the conversation following this podcast please do tweet us and we will respond um and yeah some exciting plans for the future some more ways you will be able to get involved with the conversation uh very very soon i'm sure uh, and we'll have exciting news uh, a couple projects we're working on and exciting news coming soon yeah very good okay good night everyone good night